Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Wide Men Can't Score, the only NHL hockey podcast that matters. I'm Timmy D coming to you from the Great White North. It's a little windy and rainy up here this fine Monday morning, but otherwise things could be a lot worse, so we'll be happy with that. Well, a lot has went on since our last episode. We skipped a week for uh, Victoria Day up here in Canada. Today is Memorial Day in the United States, but we're going to go anyway. Um, so we're uh, down to the final two teams in the good old NHL playoffs. The renegade upstart out of nowhere. Who would have thunk it? Vegas Golden Knights own the Winnipeg Jets. A five-game series that really was fairly close, but Winnipeg just never really got it going. And every time they looked like they were going to get that offense churning, the Knights would clamp down and get a goal and kill Winnipeg. Um, we had uh, close scoring games. Uh, you know, the most Winnipeg managed was four in the opener. And after that, they scored a lousy six goals in four games. That's not going to get it done, folks. Um, their offense just couldn't get moving against Vegas for some reason. Uh, there's been plenty of speculation as to why that was, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Vegas just has a nice, well-rounded team, uh, defensively responsible in their own end. And they, they did what they had to do to get past the uh, the Jets. Uh, in the other series in the East, that one went to full seven. Um, some pretty strange games, though. Um, I'm not 100% sure if this was Washington at its best or Tampa Bay at its not best. Uh, as I said, kind of some strange uh, games. You know, uh, first four. All won by the road team. Um, then Tampa Bay snuck one past Washington in game five, uh, three to two. And then in game six and seven, uh, one on the road, one at home, uh, Tampa Bay couldn't score. Um, they didn't get a lot of saw shots, uh, didn't generate a lot of offense, and uh, Full marks to Washington for for shutting down Tampa as much as they did, or if Tampa was just bad, I'm uh, there again. I'm not sure, but uh, they did what they had to do. They were down three games to two. That ain't easy to come back and get the win, but they did. So uh, that gets the uh, the matchup that I'm going to guess nobody really wanted to see. And I'm quite certain the NHL is not thrilled with this matchup. Well, in some ways they are, and in some ways they aren't. We'll kind of dissect that here in a minute. Uh, we get Washington against Vegas with uh, Game 1 going tonight uh, in Vegas, no less. Uh, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Not me, I know that. Um, but when we look at these teams... Uh, 
they are not very similar, in my opinion. Uh, they've both got good goaltending. Flurry has been a, as we all know, has been a beast this playoff. I mean, his uh, goals against is 1.68, which is minuscule at best. Although Holtby is at a 2.04. His last two shutouts really helped his numbers. Um, no really uh, sloppy goals let in by these two guys. You know, not like you've seen in some of the other series where, uh, particularly, I believe it was the Nashville, uh, was it Nashville-Winnipeg, I believe, where uh, Packer Rennie let in, you know, let in some heartbreakers. Um, it, it killed his, their team's momentum, and they just they could never recover from those crappy goals he was letting in. Uh, you're going to see in this series, I believe, uh, a battle of two styles, um, a battle of wills, as it were. Can uh, Washington's big guns? <laughs> oh, excuse me, it's early here in the Great White North. Um, can Washington's big guns of Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, and uh, T.J. Oshie, guys of that nature, can they continue to score uh, the big goals? When they need them, or can uh, uh, Vegas, who really only has uh, one, maybe two big snipers, if you're going to count Riley Smith, uh, Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall, and after that they're kind of uh, goals by committee. Uh, William Carlson, I guess to some degree, you want to throw him in there. Um, you know, if you're looking at the, uh, the point leaders for the playoffs, Washington has got, of course, the top two. Uh, Marsha Shore is eight. But then when uh, Washington has got Backstrom, Carlstrom, or Carlson, sorry, uh, Oshie, Lars Eller, uh, Tom Wilson, they have like four or five more guys in that list. Vegas has <laughs> got the two aforementioned players. And then the next guy I think they have is Alex Touch, or Tuck, however you pronounce it, and he has a whole nine points. Um, they're just two different teams. Uh, Vegas will get goals from all over the place, from guys who, you know, only chip in three or four in a in a, in a series. Uh, James Neal's got four goals. Uh, you know, they're, it's not they're not big numbers, but they're goals you need. Their goals that uh, win, are winning games, winning series for them. Um, they're extremely uh, defensively responsible. They don't give up the puck too much. They don't make a lot of mistakes. For the most part, if you're going to get goals against uh, Vegas, you're going to have to earn them. Um, I don't think you're going to see the type of goal uh, particularly, I think it was in the last game against Tampa Bay, where um, Alex Ovechkin, like, I, I don't understand. Let's talk about this. Alex Ovechkin goes to the same place he's gone for the last 10 fucking years and sets up and nobody notices. And it's just like, dudes, 
how can you not notice this guy is out there? He's the best player they have. He's their heart. He's their soul. He's their engine. He's their everything. How can you let him be wide open? I mean, sure, one thing on a power play, maybe. But even then, you have to be. That's It's, it's where everything comes from for this team. How can you not know? It's mind-blowingly frustrating to me that they can't see that and he's, he, they're down one nothing on a goal that never should have happened. That's unbelievable. Um, Vegas, I don't think, is going to make those kind of mistakes. They're a much more responsible team defensively than Tampa Bay ever dreamed of being. Um, as far as who's going to win, I have no clue. I would not want to bet on this game. Uh, you're not getting my money because I don't think anyone could say with any amount of certainty who is going to win this series. Um, I'll pick a winner because I have to. I'm going to throw my money behind Vegas, who is the favorite, at least for tonight's game. Uh, minus 137. Or no, I guess that makes them the underdog for tonight's game. 5.5 over-under. No, that makes them not the favorite. Or the favorite. They're minus 137, so under to get 63. Um, I would think this should go the distance. Um, More importantly to me, though, as I don't really have a horse in the race, I don't care one way or the other who really wins. I'm not going to be too upset either way. We get a, a team that's never won before. Um, it's the long-term implications of of uh, who wins. Um, Washington never won a Stanley Cup. Only been in the final, I believe, one other time. So good for hockey in Washington. Uh, good for hockey in the, in the United States and on the East Coast that uh, the Capitals win. Um, if you're an Ovechkin fan, it kind of validates his existence and uh, gives him that one thing that he hasn't had before. That when we talk about great players, that uh, he kind of he doesn't get off left off the list, but it's the thing that everybody goes, "Oh yeah, well he's never but but he's never won a Stanley Cup." So now they won't be able to say that anymore if, if in fact, Washington wins. Um, I don't think the league – I don't think that upsets the league much from a marketing standpoint or uh, ticket sales or uh, merchandise or any of those kinds of things. Uh, Vegas, however, is a two sides of the coin. Um, It has brought a lot of – I think it's brought a lot of new fans to the game. I'm not entirely sure if those, how many of those Vegas fans were already hockey fans. I don't know. Um, from the NHL's point of view, like I said it's kind of a two sides of the coin. Uh, to the good side, uh, what better could you get to push forward any further expansion you might want to pursue? than to be able to show that, look, right out of the gate, if you play your cards right and pick your team with it responsibly, 
and get some good uh, coaching, you could win the Stanley Cup. So that $500 million or whatever exorbitant amount they dream up the next time around maybe is not so painful to some people. And it also gives a franchise um, some leverage as far as marketing goes. You know, hey, look, we too can... Even if Vegas doesn't win the Cup, they have that to some degree. You know, look what, look what we did. Look, this could happen to your team too. Buy your tickets. You don't want to miss out on being a part of history, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm sure, like I said, from a merchandising standpoint, uh, for jersey sales, uh, whatever they sell for merch, hats and jerseys and sticks and all the other accumulated garbage, um, I'm sure those numbers have got to be good. And every penny that comes in the door is one more penny that the NHL gets and one more penny that the players can get in salaries. So that's all good for everybody. And, of course, it makes them look like geniuses that they, oh, God, did we know what we were doing when we put this team in Vegas. Look how smart we were. I'm sure Gary Bettman is just dancing with glee. Uh, the flip side for me, though, is if they do win, and even if they don't win, um, where do you go from here? Is the next season going to be such a letdown for Vegas that people stop coming to the games? Uh, I kind of liken it towards uh, the Edmonton Oilers although it would take a little bit more than just one season. The Oilers got good, I believe, it, I want to say in three or four years. And I believe it was year five that they were winning cups and then won, uh, you know, what, I believe it was two, maybe three, and then they took a year off and won one, and then missed a year and then won again. They had four or five in a, in a short span. And the fan base got spoiled rotten. And I didn't know that there was any other kind of hockey. That you could have a team that wasn't as good. And they really went on the decline. And to be honest, short of a miracle run against, uh, I believe it was the Hurricanes back in, uh, I want to say, 08 or 09, something like that. Maybe even before that. Um, they've been horrible. And their fan base is horrible. And they're still trying to earn them back. Because, of, in my opinion, a lot because of that early success. that They had no idea. You know, they didn't really lose much. They didn't suffer a lot. To really enjoy the, the high points, knowing that, you know, that's just, you don't get that all the time. So when you pull it out of your hat first year on the ice, um... I don't know if that's a good thing. I really don't. Uh, I guess time will tell. But uh, I would think that the, the really realistically, they'd have been happier to you know get in the playoffs, maybe even get out of the first round and call it a day. Because now, any if they win the cup, well, anything less will be a letdown. 
And then if they get bad, um, which is a possibility, you never know, because uh, there's two routes. They, uh, they don't win, and everybody stays on the team, and nobody tries to gouge too much in the salary department so that they can take another run at it. Or they win the cup, and suddenly all these guys are in demand, and if they don't get paid the big money by Vegas, somebody else will throw some fairly good change at them, and uh, the team will be broken up, and then uh, who knows from there. Uh, I mean, Vegas has got... One, two, three, four, five. We got four UFAs. No, hold, sorry. Six UFAs and four RFAs. Um, and then looking down the road, uh, Mark Andre Fleury is only under contract for next season. Um, we got four defensemen who need contracts. Uh, and then up front. Um, we've got some pretty big names, uh, James Neal, William Carlson, uh, David Perron, guys that had good years from them, and then a couple of young guys, you know, are you going to let them go? Are you going to let them stay? They've only really got two players under contract for any amount of time, which was uh, Riley Smith and... Marsha Show, which uh, were good moves, uh, real good moves, because they got them for steal of a deal. Uh, you don't get players like that for $5 million uh, for five or six years very often. They took advantage. They, they, they did well there. But they got a lot of work to do. Um, keep it. They got a lot of work to do, even if, if they have gotten nowhere. But, you know, some of these guys would have had career years anyway. You know, you take a guy like William Carlson. Now, he made a lousy, uh, well, next to nothing, a million dollars last year. Um, he had 78 points. I mean, you just, you're not getting that from here. That's like $6 million money. And he's going to want it. And to be honest, he deserves it. So, like I said, they, they've got some work to do. they got a lot of things they're going to have to look at. Um to get, uh, if, if they win or even if they don't win, to try to get back to that spot. But anyway, I, I'm not sure it's a good thing that they've done as well as they have in the long run. But it is what it is. So tonight, game one, um, I'm going to predict a Vegas win at home. Uh, we'll see how I do because I believe we're going to be on the air with uh, uh, Monday Monday night roundtable. Uh, the Sunday night roundtable didn't... Uh, didn't make it. Um, other NHL news while we're on the air. Uh, a couple things jumped out at me in the last week. Um, the Lou Lamorello, Kyle Dubas, Mark Hunter, incestuous triangle in Toronto was solved with uh, the Leafs. I believe doing the right thing. They took the young Kyle Dubas and cut loose. Well, they didn't cut any of them loose. They both decided they had to leave. Uh, Lamorella, well, not a bad 
hockey guy to have around. He's 75 years old. And, yeah, that's that's time for you to... I mean, I can't believe that the New York Islanders have hired him to run hockey ops. That's just insane. Um, and uh, their head scout, Mark Hunter, well, he decided to be relieved of his duties. Um, he can't be hired by anybody until after the well, free agency and the draft. So he's a non-factor for this year, anyhow. Um, anybody that was worried about him spilling Toronto's secrets or any of that, he can't. Um, so that's a, a over and done deal. But like I said, I think at the end, um, it was a good move for Toronto. Uh, one of Toronto's biggest problems, in my opinion, has always been that they couldn't let go of players. Uh, they would always try to see the uh, the best in the guys who were in the twilight of their careers and uh, try to hold on to the old guard for another season. And in the way the league works, you just can't do that anymore. You've got to get production for dollar. And if you don't, you have to cut guys loose. It's just the way it is. Unfortunate for the older player, but that is you know, until the cap goes up or until there's a little more room to work or they change the way things work. That's how it's going to be. Um, another thing that stuck out that I saw that kind of made me laugh, actually. Uh, Daniel Alfredson, uh, ex-senator captain from a couple of years back. Um, I think he played almost his entire career in Ottawa, except I think for one year, I want to say. Um, is flapping his mouth off about that the team needs a new owner. And I thought to myself, well, boys, if it's so easy to, you know, you got all the answers and all the money, why don't you, why don't you just buy the team? You know, um, all right, I may agree with them to some degree that, uh, Eugene Melnick is kind of a putz of an owner. But it's still Eugene Melnick's money. And I don't see anybody else offering up some bucks there. Because um, I'm sure for the right price, he'd be more than happy to sell it. Um, nobody goes to the games. Even last year, well, I guess now two seasons ago, uh, when they were a goal short of the uh, cup final, the building still wasn't full. Uh, what more do you want? I mean, this year they were abysmal. They were horrible. But, uh, you know, what do you want the guy to say? Oh, no, I don't mind if there's nobody coming. I'll just continue to lose money left, right, and center because, you know, I love Ottawa. Well, I, mean, I, I think the guy does. He brought the team there after all. He could have took it somewhere else. Um, I really hate when when ex-players or ex-management who don't have the money. I mean, I'm sure Daniel Albertson did well in his uh, stay in Ottawa. In fact, I'll bet you he made tens of millions of dollars. But that still isn't even close to the kind of money you need to run an NHL hockey team. 
So, you know, what do you really know about it? Nothing. So perhaps you just ought to shut your pie hole. And you stick to playing hockey and talking about playing hockey, which I at least will give you some credit that you know something about. And owning a $100 million plus business, we'll leave that to the guys who have got hundreds of millions of dollars, which you do not. Um, yeah, I don't know why. why. It's, it sort of irks me. I'm trying to find where, what kind of salary uh, Daniel Alfredson got that he uh, was so quick to throw uh, Ottawa under the bus because I'm sure he didn't mind what, what the what Eugene Melnick was up to when he was uh, cashing them big checks. Um, let's see here. No, he's not current, so of course we're not going to be able to find him. Yes, we will. Alright, Daniel Alfredson sucked out of the Ottawa Senators. Well, let's just say it was a lot. Two million. Four, eight, five, sixteen. Well, he had a. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking fifty, sixty million dollars. So he, he was quite okay with Eugene Milnick when he was taking that money. Then uh, he bailed to try to win the Stanley Cup in Detroit, which failed miserably. Which we all, or not we all, but I enjoyed. I hate when guys bail out of teams to try to win the Cup. Um, loyalty, have some. Anyway, so there's that story, which I, like I said, I think hockey players should just. When your career's over, you can talk about your career and that sort of thing, but I don't have any, any business talking about things you don't know anything about, but, and uh, running the team is one of them. Uh, San Jose Sharks. Um, throw a boatload of money at Evander Kane. Uh, two minds about this one, too. Uh... I don't know if he's worth that kind of money or not. I really don't. Um, I guess they're gonna, you know, they're trying to replace Thornton to some degree, although Kane's not a centerman, I don't think. Um, he has a lot of previous personal issues, which, in his defense. He seems to have cleaned up, but will, this guy's always kind of been an underachiever, and now when you throw that kind of money at him for that kind of time, my worry is, is that he's going to rest on his laurels, which aren't many, and uh, take the money and not coast, but... I'm not going to kill myself either. Um, I always kind of thought he was a bit overrated. 
He's never scored 30 goals in his career. I'm sorry, I take that back. He's done it once. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess maybe because I was around for the higher scoring eras of the NHL. To me, uh, he has 100 and, well, for easy math, 190 and 170. So that's what? 360? Isn't Ozzy 360 points in 575 games? That's what, three quarters of a point a game? Nothing wrong with that, but not not ridiculously out-of-this-world numbers, and yet he's getting that kind of money. Uh, I know based on those kind of numbers, what are you going to pay? What's John Tavares expect to get? If that's the kind of bucks they're going to give Evander Kane. Um... And said, you know, I just don't quite. I I know they want to wrap these guys up, so they got to throw term at them sometimes. But like I said, I mean, Evander Kane has never really had that big a year. I mean, his thirty goal year was six years ago. Um, I mean, he had fifty four points this year, which I guess is. Not bad, but to me that is not that is not seven million dollar a year money. Um, it just isn't. So he comes in now, and he is the highest paid player on the team, except for Brett Burns. Brent Burns, sorry. Um, now, if you play for <laughs> the Sharks. I don't know. Like, doesn't that kind of piss you off a little bit? This guy comes in and has a half-decent year, but not a great one. And suddenly he's making, I mean, Logan Couture and Joe Pavelski make $6 million. The next guy only makes 4 And then up front, the next one after that only makes $2 million. He's suddenly making three and a half times what anybody else on the team is making. I don't know about you, but there again, that would rip me off a little bit. I'm not sure how NHL dressing rooms work when that kind of thing happens. But you, you've got to think that's got to piss you off to some degree. Especially if you're anywhere near him in the... I'm going to have a quick look here at the uh, uh, stats for San Jose to see where he fell in the team scoring. Uh, maybe they weren't. Well, I would have thought there was somebody that was doing better than that. But we'll have a quick peek here and... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, because, yeah, that's a, a lot of money. Playoffs. Regular season, please. Thank you. Um, all right. Brett Burns had 67 points. Katur and Pavelski both had more points than him. And Thomas Hurdle was right up there. Uh, and then we had a couple in the 40s. So, you know, he's in the top five or six, but he shouldn't be first, is all my point. If I'm Joe Pavelski or Logan Couture, I'm pissed off. Why am I not getting $7 million? I got more points than him. I'm a better player than he is. Um, and then I really think they're trading Evander Kane. 
in for or trading Joe Thornton for Evander Kane is going to be a going to be a, a downgrade. Uh, those two guys are both, um, or at least as far as we know, anyway, are both about as far different in the personality department as you can shake stick at. But we'll see. You know, every team's got to take some risks. San Jose took one and see if it pays off. Uh, last story I'm going to get to, and one because I'm in the Great White North, kills me in ways I can't even begin to describe. The Edmonton Oilers, <coughs> who were horrible last year, um, fire their assistant coaches and, re and hire to in their place um, the disgruntled run-out-of-town fired ex-coach of the Calgary Flames, Glenn Gullitson. And uh, Trent Yanni, ex, um, I believe, Colorado uh, assistant coach, I believe. Um, they've tried to spin this as uh, this is exactly what uh, Edmonton needs. Um, And I'm not exactly sure how that works. Uh, Glenn Gullitson, as far as I know, has two failed head coaching gigs. And he was an assistant in Vancouver. For a couple of years, and we all know how bad Vancouver's been in the last four or five years. Um, Edmonton's biggest problem was power play, penalty kill. Uh, Glenn Gullitson's neither of those things. Um, so the hire was why uh, we don't. No. Well, Trent Yanni at least is a defensive, works with defensemen, etc. So we can at least understand that hiring because Lord knows the uh, Edmonton defense was garbage um, and has been for a decade. Um, I just don't understand. Like, uh, if your entire assistant coaching group has got to be fired and replaced, how can you not fire and replace the coach? Isn't he the one that picks him? And if he isn't the one that picks him, and it was the general manager who picked him, then why don't he get fired? Because obviously somebody is failing upward again in Edmonton. Uh... We're basically trying to say now that the reason the Edmonton Oilers sucked last year is because of their assistant coaches. Well, that can't be so. And if it was, that was it should have been fixed ten games into the season, not until the season was over. I mean, they were 31st in power play, dead last. 
with the best fucking offensive player in the league on your team. How is that even possible? No one can explain it. Nobody. Um, so they say they fired their three assistant coaches, replaced them with these three guys who, as far as I know, is no, no real difference. Um, we're keeping Paul Coffey as organizational skills coach, whatever the fuck that means. Um, <laughs> I just, it just seems like, okay, we've, we've got to tell our fan base something. So here's the band-aid. We're going to throw on the boo-boo. Uh, let's hope that nobody's paying too much attention. Um, the only thing I can see is they now have uh, Inyani and uh, Dolanson. They have two guys with head coaching experience behind the bench that if they want to drop the hammer on Todd McClellan, they've already got a coach there. Um, I mean, this is this is the statement. And I, again, I don't know Glenn Gullitson. Um, I didn't think much of his work in Calgary. Uh, but then Calgary had some problems of their own. But, I mean, this is the quote um, Todd McClellan gives to give the press um, about Gallatin. Uh, he understands what it's like to be a head coach. He brings an upbeat personality and a good hockey mind, and I'll use him in all situations. What? Um, a lot of guys know what it's like to be a head coach, and a lot of them failed at being head coaches. Then you're going to throw him, well, he's an upbeat personality. Well, that's all well and good, but I didn't win hockey games. And I'll use him in all situations. So what, he's a jack of all trades, master of none? Um, then they, they have, uh, what did he say about Ioni? I, I don't know. I just found the whole thing was... Uh, and, and, and I guess it was an attempt to show the fan base that they're doing something. and But I don't think it's going to help anything. The Edmonton Oilers need to, as all teams do, coaching can only go so far if you do not have the personnel on your team. You can't win. It's up to the general manager and the scouting staff to give a coach and his assistant coaches or players to get it done on the ice. If you can't do that, you will not win. It is that simple. The greatest coach in the world cannot coach a team that uh, Mike Babcock is a perfect example in Toronto. Damn good coach. Arguably the best one in the world. Couldn't get out of the first round with the Maple Leafs because they don't have the bodies yet. Now, they're working on it, and I think they're headed in the right direction. But until you get that mix, it doesn't matter who's at the helm. It just, the hockey has become a much different sport in the last four or five years. Um, the traditional things 
And there for a while it was, you know, big bodies crashing the net, um, that sort of thing. We've gotten away from that a little bit. We're seeing a lot of tipping goals, deflection goals, screening goals, uh, based purely on traffic, I guess. Um, you know, there's not a lot of uh, pretty goals scored anymore. Most of them are what we used to call the garbage goal. But such is the way of the world. Um, and I'm going to guess that those kind of goals, that's basically, I've kind of summed up there without even meaning to, the difference between Washington and Vegas. Washington gets a, you know, they're kind of known for the slick pass, oh, one-timer to Ovechkin, oh, wasn't that beautiful in the net. Vegas gets those ugly goals when there's four guys in front of the net. The puck hits two of them and hits somebody's stick and rolls uh, across the crease and hits another guy's foot and goes in the net. Nobody even knew that it went in until you know, they hear the crowd cheer and they go, oh, did that hit me? I never felt it. But, you know, we got a goal anyway. Um, that's what that series is going to come down to. Sheer... Uh, can Washington's skill overcome Vegas's grit? And who wants it bad enough? Because at this point, there's no tomorrow, boys. you got to leave it all out on the ice. Um, I think o Ovechkin's got something to prove. Uh, whether he can get it done or not is another question. And I would argue that just about everybody on the Vegas team, from their goalie right on out, has somebody to, something to prove as they all were left unprotected in the draft. And we're basically told by the teams who did have them that they didn't want them. And that might be that might be the reason for why they're where they're at. Sheer uh, willpower and all sharing the same story that, you know, I was an NHL player that my team really didn't want. Well, we'll show those motherfuckers. We're going to get it done and we're going to win the Stanley Cup. Ha-ha, deal with that. Wouldn't that be some kind of an ending to that story? Crazy. Well, boys, that's another edition of Wide Men Can't Score. Hope you had a good time, much fun as I did. Thanks to everybody who listens. Uh, we'll see you again next week, and have a great day. I'm out of here, boys.